I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the new statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're talking about the film Girls Trip and the BBC crime drama Top of the Lake, China Girl. We've also got some great podcast recommendations for you, so we'll be talking about that later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously, a kind of weird episode of Seriously, because if you came to our very first live podcast at Shout Out Live Festival in London this weekend, you might have already heard a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, you got a sneak peek of the definitely very well rehearsed (laughs) thing that we're about to do again now. Yeah, doing live podcasts is strange, isn't it? We've never done anything like that before and it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird, but I think it went well. I mean, I'm still slightly confused as to why people enjoy watching us do what we're (laughs) doing right now, but they do and I'm not going to argue with that. But yeah, thanks to everyone who came and saw us at Shout Out Live. You were a lovely audience, I have to say. Everyone yeah. was very, very generous. So thank you so much. For yeah, coming. it was really, it was a really good event all round. Yeah, I'm really glad that it happened, and I hope that they repeat it next year. Mm-hmm. Totally. But if you couldn't come and you still want a chance to watch us talking into microphones, why wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> you've got some more opportunities coming up. We're doing another Game of Thrones quiz on the twelfth of September. Can can we just pause? I've literally transformed into full-on Game of Thrones nerd. I know. I've been seeing I don't know this how happen <laughs> on your Twitter. It's amazing. I like feel like weird about it in my soul because I spent so long just being like, "Who are these absolute weirdos?" Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I hate them. And now I've like, you know, sometimes you just like thinking about a thing, and it's your safe place. I was like walking to work this morning, being like, "I hope Danny and John have sex. I don't care if they're aunt and nephew. I want them to bang." Like <laughs> things like this, just like going around in my mind all the time. So yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to my fans <laughs> i won't be happy about this yeah also i loved your tweet where you were like i think i fancy kit harrington now which means maybe i fancy poshness also something mm. even worse happened this morning where i watched a video where kit harrington was campaigning for a cause that's actually really close to my heart <laughs> about like raising the minimum wage for care workers which is something i care about loads because i i live with carers and yeah i was just like oh no Oh, it's oh. too late for me. It's too late now. You, <laughs> Damn be- it. you belong to him now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if anyone wants to talk about Game of Thrones with me, just give me a call, man. I'm like here for it. 
Yeah, or come to the Game of Thrones quiz yeah, on the 12th of September. That's probably a more professional way of Be- doing this. Between rounds, Anna will be available for all of your thoughts and feelings. Totally. Anyway, sorry. So yeah, we've got the quiz on the 12th. Got the quiz on the 12th. And then another live episode on the 17th at the London Podcast Festival. Mm-hmm. Tickets for that go to seriouslypod.com forward slash london podfest and that'll take you straight oh to the my, page to buy a personalized them. url for that event i know i may have recently worked out how to do that wow Caroline. i know get me i'm basically a developer <laughs> now uh, and tickets for the game of thrones quiz seriouslypod.com forward slash events or our twitter or facebook has it as well uh, yeah there are i think about 25 30 of those left so they're selling like hotcakes they're selling pretty quickly so hurry up and get yours. So rolling on with the show, the first thing we're going to talk about is Girls Trip, the 2017 American comedy film directed by Malcolm D. Lee. It stars Regina Hall, Queen Latifah, Tiffany Haddish and Jada Pinkett Smith as four friends who go to New Orleans to attend the Essence Music Festival. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day of life. My heart is so full of joy for these women right here. Lord, please make sure that Lisa don't get an STD and that nobody has kidney failure because we finna get messed up and let me get pregnant by somebody rich. That's all I ask. Amen. We haven't hung in five years. I miss you guys. We need a girl's trip. That's my car. Not anymore, baby. What if I just whip out my titties, you know? Okay, a titty. I'll take a titty for a bike ride. You sure you want to get turned this weekend with your girls? I say this out of love. Preach, girl. Mm. If you are going to come along with us, please refrain from saying things like preach or go girl or any other colloquialisms that you may have looked up on Urban Dictionary. Girl, bye. my girl. This weekend is about us. We deserve this. So let's go. Basically a film about four friends who haven't seen each other for a really long time. I think it's five years in the premise. They used to yeah. see each other at least, you know, once a year for some sort of big girls trip. They're friends from college and they haven't done it in a while due to various career pressures and motherhood pressures and divorces, etc., etc. And then they finally decide, no, we've got an opportunity to see each other at this big, what would you call it? What festival? It's not a music festival, it's it's because it, it's the magazines festival. Yeah, it's like it? a big magazine kind of cultural thing, isn't it? You know, so there is musical performances, but there are also speeches and loads of expos and just generally it's a great big bonanza, right? Yeah, and it's a big celebration of black womanhood. Um, exactly. Something that these four friends kind of care about and that seems like a good a good reason for them to go together it's an interesting film because it is just like on one hand a really ridiculous like hangover style balls out hilarious girls pissing themselves everywhere like silly comedy and on the other hand it's like very very sentimental (laughs) yeah it is and it's an interesting blend of the two actually that you can go from yeah that there's an amazing set piece scene where they're doing this kind of um, zip wire type thing mm-hmm. and then someone gets stuck and like pisses herself all over the people in the street below and it's really funny to a voiceover being like, I just always knew that they would be my girls and yeah, that I would yeah, have yeah, their yeah. backs. And it's, I don't know, somehow you don't get whiplash from that in I the know. way that I would think you would. The other thing is, is that just a trope of men's comedies as well? like things you know like white men comedies like the hangover but you just don't notice it as much because it's 
kind of considered inherently funny when men are sentimental maybe i think i feel like in the hangover there is a lot of like i'm so glad i'm here with my boys but you're like invited to laugh at it rather than be like yeah good for you guys is that a thing yeah i think you're probably right there are some really interesting thoughts on masculinity in this film as well Mm -hmm. i think i was very struck by the fact that you see quite a lot of male nudity yeah including like full frontal yeah like a full dick in a grapefruit situation whereas you see no female nudity really yeah also i feel like for people who haven't seen the film that wasn't a weird euphemism yeah no (laughs) i don't use grapefruit as like some weird slang (laughs) grapefruit becomes relevant you need to go and see the film (laughs) to understand why so there are lots of things about this film that are kind of flipping genre or like being slightly meta right yeah definitely one thing that i loved about yeah there's there's quite a lot of meta stuff in there as you rightly say there's a a line about representation in this film like motifs about how these women are enjoying this festival because it's a chance for them to sort of see themselves or conversations about how ryan feels that she has to be a bit of a role model like these these sorts of things but i also really love the kind of journalism plot line in this as a journalist obviously that kind of stuck out to me so basically the lead character ryan she is a celebrity who sells her brand on the idea of having it all that's like a great career amazing cooking domestic life i think is meant to be one of them and a lovely husband who's like very much part of her brand so she's desperately trying to sell that part of herself and like get a tv show with her husband and stuff and one of the other girls sasha is a celebrity journalist who kind of wishes she was more than a celebrity journalist that's kind of a distinction the film makes not one that i'm particularly making but she wants to run i think there's a line about the first black huffington post in there so i really liked these sorts of explorations about like how hard it is to get a job in media yeah <laughs> i really loved all of that yeah and it's also all bound up with the friendship between sasha and ryan because you know they were back when they weren't famous and they you know when they were much younger they were gonna you know launch a new kind of media thing together and then Mm -hmm. ryan like skipped out on it to do her own thing with her husband and the career stuff and the personal stuff are all intertwined totally yeah and the the challenge is for them to kind of find a balance with each other between all these things like jada pinkett smith's character who's like is trying to strike a balance between being a really overprotective caring mother and finding time to have fun with her friends and care about her friends and they've all got that kind of conflict going on apart from like i guess tiffany haddish's character who doesn't so much she's more just like here to party yeah we know a lot less about her backstory really we see one scene where she's at her well generic office job we don't know what it is that she does and her boss is trying to fire her for an overreaction to someone eating her sandwich it's almost like a ross from friends situation she's like hulked oh yeah out. i could totally forgot about that scene yeah she's like hulked out on some guy who ate her, her lunch <laughs> um and her boss is trying to be like we're gonna have to let you go and she's like go back to work yeah and she's basically like, oh, just, good because i actually wanted monday off <laughs> she she actually just refuses to be fired yeah. which is really funny she is obviously amazing in this yeah i'd say i know she you really thought she was a standout i really thought she was brilliant so funny both in her physical comedy and her timing and the way she delivers lines. And she managed to like wring comedy out of stuff that probably wasn't even on the page that funny, mm-hmm. which I always think is the mark of a great comedian. Totally. And in terms of performances, it reminded me of Kate McKinnon in Ghostbusters, who also had that quality of being able to make you laugh at stuff that wasn't necessarily yeah intended to be comic and ditto melissa mccartney and bridesmaids yeah all three of these performances have like an unpredictability i think Mm. that's quite thrilling about them like 
although you've got a script and you know that everything that happens next is like very ordered and you know it's probably been written by like seven at least different writers when you're watching them you get a sort of sense of like oh anything could happen with this character yeah which I don't is know really what, exciting what's she gonna do next yeah which is yeah in a film that in some ways has quite a predictable plot arc yeah <laughs> it's, it's a really useful sort of lightening influence can i admit something talking yeah. of predictable plot arc so i had to rush to make this movie before we did our live episode so i went on friday night but i was like i'm gonna go to the the 20 to 6 so i like had to rush out of work a bit early but i was late because i had to finish some work and so i got at the cinema at six and i was like want a girl's trip and it was like flashing like limited availability <laughs> and they were like yep yeah, great go in so i like ran in and it had just started and i was like oh Normally there's half an hour of adverts and I was yeah. only 20 minutes late. So I was a bit like, nah. I was watching it and I was like, mm, these girls are like mid argument. This must've really started in media res. Where are they? Someone's done a speech. This is cool. And then I was like, like went on and I was like, wow, this is like the, the trip seems to be over, but at the beginning of the movie, this is like a really, wow. I'm like <laughs> thrilled by this non-traditional oh. narrative. And then like the credits rolled. And I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> You were actually early. <laughs> I was in like a different screening and I was early for a 6.40. They gave, there was obviously so many screenings. Oh, uh, so you were in a different... I was <laughs> due for the next one. So, so you like, saw the ending so, before the I, beginning. I honestly think that because it was quite a small screening. No one in there was like, why is this girl coming 10 minutes from the end with like a bag of popcorn <laughs> and like a drink? Like just sat there like, mm, great film. <laughs> so weird so i actually knew what was ha gonna happen from the beginning but it didn't dampen my enjoyment of the movie well i feel like you kind of knew anyway yeah. right i <laughs> didn't have that experience and i was still like i think i know how this is going to turn I out i think there's going to be I think friendship, a rocky road but <laughs> i think friendship is going to prevail yeah like, yeah yeah but yeah so many things about this film are really joyful the gross out element of it the sort of physical comedy the quick wittedness but also just lots of the little asides and yeah. all that kind of thing are really funny i really enjoyed the way the male characters in this were just totally in the background they were mm -hmm. the supporting cast mm -hmm. even ryan's husband who does have a kind of plot lever mm -hmm. element to his character and that the musician julian who's the guy that maybe she really likes and the guy that um jada pinkett smith's character hooks up with like they're all there but they're all very much like second tier yeah in terms of importance totally. and i just really like that so yeah it's so good to see hollywood actually making a film that just unequivocally makes black women the lead and older black women as well mm. like this just ticks so many boxes of like people who aren't normally represented in these in these big like comedy movies in this way and yeah it's just so good yeah as as all would have predicted except yeah. hollywood <laughs> except hollywood but then i feel like you know uh hidden figures I think surprised studios yeah. with it, the massive amount of money it took at the box office. Yeah, and we've seen as you've all, you've said before about um, bridesmaids and these other films kind of contributing to this trend. But yeah, we have we have seen older women as well, like Bad Moms. I'd say in the last maybe five seven years, there's been a bit of a trend of Hollywood. They take a perceived risk on a film that like so like Wonder Woman's a good example of this mm. in a different genre it's like you know you can't lead a film with a female superhero because you know no one will see a Black Widow movie blah 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 mm. uh, cut to Wonder Woman's film grosses many millions yeah. of dollars and lots and Black of Black Panther on the way and all this kind of and stuff and lots of little girls buy a lot of merch etc yeah exactly so there needs to be the one breakout film 
to buck the trend. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, okay, we can just lead films with black women and people will go to see them in their thousands. Totally. And it grossed at least $73 million, I think, in the US. So yeah. it's like doing and it, incredibly well. It has as well something that I think indicates really good word of mouth in that it barely dropped at all from its first weekend to its second weekend or something which i think is something that get out had as well because that was a film that didn't have such a big marketing push behind it but everyone was telling all their friends to go so it had a really successful and they're calling get out the most profitable movie of 2017 because it because it was such it was very low budget and brought in a lot of money for Mm. its budget so it's although it's you know not the highest grossing or anything like that it's probably the most profitable movie Mm. of 2017 which is amazing so i really hope that all of this adds up to a kind of tipping point where we'll never be in an oscars so white situation (laughs) ever again we can but hope Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Now we're going to talk about the BBC crime drama series Top of the Lake. The second series of this has just premiered on BBC iPlayer and BBC Two, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's created and written by Jane Campion, the acclaimed director of The Piano and lots of other films like that. And it stars Elizabeth Moss as Detective Robin Griffin. The first series, which came out in 2013, received massive plaudits, real critics' choice of a piece Mm -hmm. of TV. It was set in New Zealand, and I think the, the wildness and remoteness of its setting definitely appealed to that. And now this second series, Top of the Lake China Girl, is set back in Sydney where Robin lives and works and begins with a mysterious suitcase appearing from the sea. Detective Griffin, are you good? You all right? Pleased to be back. I'd like to say thank you. Your baby has been loved by me very much. So you're a policewoman? 
I'm a detective. That's hilarious. I like you. We have a report from Bondi Beach. There's a suitcase washed up. There's black human hair coming from the inside. You're with me. What is it about your cinnamon, mate? Come on, tell us. Cinnamon worked at Silk 41, a brothel. My dad and my mum want to meet you. The destiny of man is, is to love a woman. No, the destiny of man is to enslave women. So I have not seen Top of the Lake season one, and I watched one episode of Top of the Lake China Girl, and I was quite confused. <laughs> yeah, so this is an interesting point about this, because I think everyone thought it was going to be a lot more uh, standalone than mm. it's actually turned out to be, because the first series, I've watched two of the six or seven episodes, I think, and I so I don't really know what happens. Mm. And I thought that I could start season two and it would, you know, just be the same detective, but in a different place, different case, all totally. this kind of stuff. But actually, I think they've made the decision to bring far more of the detective's personal narrative into it. Yeah. And therefore, it does inform, you know, what's happening in season two. Yeah, so, which is absolutely not a criticism. Like... Not at all, you know. And I think possibly the reason they did that was because of Elizabeth Moss's performance mm. and the way that audiences responded to the character as mm -hmm. well as just the, you know, plot and the narrative. And we just have an absolutely insatiable desire for, like, troubled detectives. I know. She's... Why is it just, like, the ultimate oh. character? Like, I mean, I've, as, as discussed before on Seriously, like, I've been watching Happy Valley. Mm. The thing that I love about Happy Valley is the lead, yeah. obviously, in her story. And all of those scandi noir yeah, stuff like, like the and like Broadchurch. The Broadchurch I've been watching Broadchurch lately David Tennant in Broadchurch yeah. when he's like that detective was my wife <laughs> it's like all these kinds of things like yeah so it, it I think it goes back well essentially I think you could argue that Sherlock Holmes is a troubled yeah. detective even in the Conan Doyle version yeah I know. guess detective stories like have unreliable narrators as like a key part of the genre right that's yeah like going way back so. I was very struck actually particularly by the comparison between Robin Griffin and Sarah Lunt the central character of The Killing especially in the first series because I remember watching The Killing with my dad over Christmas mm. and every episode being like no Sarah don't go into the dark abandoned building alone without a torch wait for backup it's only going to be 10 minutes <laughs> that is an, a, another classic trope of like all detective yeah. stories you're like why aren't they doing this like through procedure yeah. like why are they why don't why isn't there a police car here with this person and that's that's exactly what Robin Griffin does all the time. And I should say, like, spoilers full for series one and two of this, because I'm not sure we can keep them separate. Mm -hmm. There's a, a set piece scene, I think in maybe the second or third episode of series one, where like it's a really remote part of New Zealand, uh, this town on a lake anyway. So it's not like she can like radio for a really quick response. It'll probably take 20 minutes for them to get to. Mm. She goes off to investigate this suspect who lives in a cabin in the woods on his own and is known to have a big collection of guns. Don't, just don't do that. And of course, what happens is that she ends up like having to barricade herself in the cabin while he tries to shoot at her oh, through the no. windows. It's like... Robin, why? 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 What? What about this was a good idea from the beginning? Yeah. But anyway, so series two set in Sydney around Bondi Beach, actually. So it's a fairly well-known landmark. Mm. Completely different kind of landscape and setting to no the first lake. series. No more beautiful lake, mountains and trees, mm -hmm. etc. But still, Robin Griffin with her kind of baggage and her particular 
she's got quite an intuitive approach to crime i feel like she mm-hmm. she goes she's... with her hunches a lot and she but she seems to be like a high functioning alcoholic and yes. she's obviously suffering past trauma that is unresolved and a bit of a loner doesn't seem to want to like get to know anyone even when people are, are very much you know all the things we and know and love she, <laughs> she, she has trope. a real problem in that yeah she's a lot of bad things have happened to her in her life mostly violence towards her perpetrated by men mm-hmm. and therefore like aggression from men or even like low-level sexism is quite a trigger for her totally and she works in a police force that's dominated by men yeah so we see this even in the first episode of china girl where she's you know giving a seminar to some recruits and one of them like sasses her and laughs and she just completely flips out on him Mm -hmm. and that's a recurring motif throughout the whole thing that she's quick to suspect men of having bad motives and she will then like pursue them with single-minded purpose and of course because of the way the world works she's always right (laughs) yeah and i think one thing that jane campion's so good at writing in this is so for example when that that exchange happens and she like overreacts potentially though who cares really to this guy who's being low-level sexist towards her at work then her boss i think he's her boss um he like takes her out for dinner to like talk about it but he kind of says some low-level sexist things yeah. as well in that exchange. He's a bit like, hey, so I heard you were getting married. Going to tell me what happened? And it's a bit inappropriate. And you're a bit like, leave her alone. And it's not, it's nothing um, malicious and it's nothing like ill-meant. It's just part of this tapestry. And, and I don't know, you get a sense of how unavoidable all these things are. Mm. So as well as that sort of dynamic about sexism and violence towards women there's also a strong thread about motherhood Mm -hmm. in this series because part of what robin's doing as well as investigating this case of the quote china girl who's washed up on bondi beach in a suitcase she's also getting back in touch with a daughter that was adopted uh, um when she was a baby so she's you know replying to a letter that the daughter wrote to her a few years ago and she now feels like she's in a position to actually make contact and stuff and then also and again spoilers there turns out to be quite a strong surrogacy angle to the mystery that she's investigating right so there's lots of stuff about you know nicole kidman plays her daughter's adopted mother and so there's a lot that i think i I believe even the final episode of the series is called the battle of the mothers or something so it's oh see because i've seen these families but those those threads have not come together yet for me and now i'm even thinking like looking at that daughter you're like oh yeah she even looks a bit like elizabeth moss uh random trivia side note that the actress who plays the daughter is in campion's daughter oh no way Mm. wow that I thought those were some of the best scenes in it. The scenes with Nicole Kidman and that actress and the father, like this this sort of family portrait of a family basically crumbling, a dysfunctional family crumbling. And it's interesting to me that they've gone f- much further down that road as the series has progressed because I do think that, yeah, the performances were really good and the tension was really weird and good and, yeah. Yeah, Nicole Kidman has some really good scenes in this. She's I've, just great, isn't she? I've seen some some trend pieces already this year about like nicole kidman is having her best yeah, year she's really i don't know i feel very very interested in her performances at the moment yeah because and i think people cite you know she was i've not seen it but apparently she was great in big, big little, little lies. lies then um the sophia coppola film the beguiled and now this like she's really on a role playing like older women difficult. with difficult pasts yeah. kind of thing and that's exactly what she's doing in this and that, yeah, she's I love got some her character in this. She's got some great stuff in this, like um, because 
you know, she's split up with the adopted daughter's father and she's now living with a woman and seemingly in a happy relationship with her but obviously because they're having problems with their daughter she's still having to co-parent a lot Mm -hmm. and there's just this amazing scene where they're having an argument in the kitchen and even though she doesn't live there anymore she's like drying up dishes and putting them away and the fact that she knows where everything goes even though this isn't her house anymore yeah is really an interesting yeah, totally. choice, you know. Completely. And yeah, I think it's that's a classic gendered dynamic, isn't it? But mm. she's she also she seems to be still doing all the difficult parenting. Yes, she's a classic gendered dynamic. She's not the one being like, yeah, it'll be okay, you can marry this stranger. She's the one being like, I feel really stressed about this. You're 17 years old. You need to think about this. This could be a mistake for you, mm. which DAD doesn't want to do. Yeah. So that's a really interesting sort of subplot and then the arguably the main focus of the whole thing is this group of sex workers in sydney mm-hmm. one of whose number is found dead and eventually they identify her and they find out the place that she's worked and yeah so they the police have to question them try and find out are they being exploited what's happening to them all mm. this sort of stuff and it's so interesting the way that they did that because i feel like dead sex worker in a suitcase is in some ways a really stereotypical way of yeah it's an uncomfortable trope on tv isn't it but there are certain ways i feel in which jane campion handled that better than the average first is that it's not titillating Mm. at all like there's no like sexy dead shots Mm. of a naked dead woman like it's not like that and then they also love the sex worker like killed during some sort of like kinky sex thing don't they a lot and there's none of there's none of that vibe here at all not at all no then also i read an interview with jane campion where she explained that as part of the writing process of this they met with some women from a sex workers collective in australia and like took their views and their points about portrayals and so actually ended up writing a character into the show who is from a sex workers collective who gets to put those points across and make that and she acts as a kind of she helps the police approach people sensitively Mm. and without endangering them and stuff like that and I was like that's not a perspective that you normally that you normally get it's true and without sounding completely banal you can see research in Mm. stuff like there's a reason why programs like scum are so good because you know Yuliandam did six months of interviews with teenagers and you see this i don't know you see this in other shows like um three girls Mm, yeah in three girls i felt uncomfortable at the beginning and as it went on i felt so much less uncomfortable because you do see how much of the real people involved come through in that drama Mm. and then you know if you go and google it after you do realize oh yeah they did loads and loads and loads of research for this show and it was really responsibly handled and without getting too prescriptivist about it like I don't know it's just amazing to me that you can always tell you can always tell definitely there's there's an exchange later on in China Girl where one of the characters is like her awful controlling boyfriend wants to like pimp her out essentially Mm. um and she approaches the woman who's in charge of the brothel and is like I want to start working here and the woman's like this is not an easy job like all these girls are trained they know a lot about it she basically lays out all the reasons why you can't just like fuck someone and call yourself a sex worker yeah again an interesting perspective right exactly it's one that's coming from a real person yes that's that's... but at the same time it doesn't necessarily kind of glorify what can be a really dangerous Mm -hmm. line of work and it also doesn't make 
it doesn't say oh all these women chose this and it's wonderful it like lays out the various like racial and misogynistic events that have led to them being there Mm -hmm. in the way they are so yeah I thought in that sense it was a, a quite a refreshing way of looking at what can be a very tired trope totally so it's a heavy show it is we're not gonna lie uh but if you feel like it's something you can handle definitely check it out So now it's time for the part of the podcast where we recommend each other things, slash you recommend us things, slash it's just a great exchange of things that people love. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this week, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, we were at Shout Out Live Festival 2017, and we just wanted to take the opportunity to shout them out. Yeah, exactly. So the Shout Out Network, who ran the festival, are a brilliant network of BME podcasts that really do a great job of kind of raising the visibility of podcasts that maybe don't necessarily get a lot of attention in other places and yeah since kind of getting involved in working with them we've been listening to lots of their shows and we wanted to recommend you a few so I would say my favourite show from the network is called Melanin Millennials. Yeah we've both listened to this and it's absolutely great. It's really good it's a kind of politics and pop culture show i guess also an interview show they regularly have really good guests yeah so it's hosted by satya and imri who are two 20 something black women and yeah they're just both really sharp and really funny and it's i mean it's they're the show right yeah they are fantastic i would listen to them talk about anything Mm -hmm. and then the other one that i wanted to flag up that you should listen to is called Mostly Lit. Mm -hmm. And this is, yeah, so it's got three hosts and they say, join them in their journey to keep up with the London experience while exploring the intersection of literature and black culture. So it's very much like a books podcast. Mm -hmm. It's not afraid of getting quite like critical and highbrow and in-depth about stuff, but in a way that is really approachable. Like I don't listen to any other podcasts that have as sophisticated a certain analysis as they do but it's still really fun. That's wicked. So yeah, I would definitely recommend checking them out as well. Yeah, and just the whole shout out network is is really cool. And I think podcasting in general has been a really great thing for raising profiles of people who, you know, for whatever reason, might not get the spotlight into more traditional media, whether it's that, whether that's because of racism or sexism or whatever. But yeah, so many have just completely broken through and shown how engaging and and great it is to have like voices from different areas of culture. One of the biggest names at the festival this weekend was, of course, another round who were just like basically the biggest people in podcasting. Yeah, which is really cool. Which is really cool. Um, Heaven and Tracy from uh, another round came all the way from New York to be at the festival. Um, their show looked so I I missed their show and I'm so annoyed about it especially because someone that I really love um, who I follow on Twitter called Bolu was part of their show yeah they had a couple of really great guests yeah really great British guests Um, so I'm really sad that I missed that it was my friend's birthday he doesn't even listen so (laughs) what yeah 
Um, I'm sure they'll be putting that out as a recording though. So when when live episodes start emerging from this thing, we will be tweeting them so that you can check it out if you weren't there. And mm-hmm. yeah, definitely check out Shout Out Network and some of their shows and let us know what you think. Meanwhile, I feel like the last time we did a proper episode, we decided we were going to talk about a book that we'd been recommended by listener Isabel Greenberg and friend we, of the show friend of the show Isabel Greenberg <laughs> which we did not do really <laughs> sorry everyone well, we didn't just, keep we've up just with had our lots of different things on haven't we so it hasn't been we haven't just we just haven't got to it yet we haven't got to it yet I have it right here I just haven't read it yet it's a lovely book I'm looking at it so anyway we're going to roll that forward to next week and you can hear us talking about Swimming Studies by Leanne Shapton which is a kind of part memoir part graphic novel she's a, a artist and graphic novelist I think she's done some full pictorial work as well but this is a kind of blend of the two oh, i'm so um, excited and i love swimming yeah me too i'm really bad at it but i love it <laughs> so yeah i'm really excited to read this so yeah if you would like to keep up with our recommends get hold of a copy thanks for listening to this episode of seriously the pop culture podcast from the new statesman If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, where you could also leave us a review if you'd like. We've got lots of events coming up this summer, including festivals, live episodes and quizzes. Find out more and buy tickets at seriouslypod.com slash events. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.